0: everyone, this is Kimberly.
1: And this is Katie.
0: And you're listening to A Date With Dateline.
1: We're listening to A Double Date.
0: I'm sorry, A Double Date With Dateline. Off to a great start. Shooper. Shruper. Can you hear the whistle? I can. Super sharpie. I'm very excited. <laughs> I have a thing I don't like with the mouth whistles. I know the you dry don't. dry mouth whistles. I
1: know. Are
0: not my favorite thing. Um, I'm sure our listeners are going to love it, though. Uh, well, wow. <laughs> <so laughs> we have a very special, very generous patroness named Jenna, and she's been at our highest here for a long time, and we've been wanting to do something for her. And I said, what do, can we do for you? She said, there's this show on Netflix called Dirty Money that she loves. So she picked an episode, which is not this episode, which we're still going to do.
1: I think you need to change all that.
0: But I wanted to do this one because I felt like I just saw the title and I was like, I'm in. We're still going to do the one that she requested as well. But I think I'm going to cover that one since you covered this one. And it's a pretty dense recap show. This one is,
1: this is not recap light. This was recap heavy. It definitely took me twice the time of a normal, like an ID network show. Oh, yeah. But Jenna, you should know that this specific episode that we're covering was a gift from Kimberly to me.
0: I did. I chose it because it has a heist in the title. Mm -hmm. Katie loves a heist. Also, we both dearly love Canadians. Yes. And breakfast foods.
1: Yeah. One of us has an extreme sweet tooth, though. Yeah. Like, very intense. Jelly beans for breakfast.
0: Like having her fingers sticky. Yeah. So it's not my favorite food, but I do enjoy it. But I need a like a wet nap cloth at the same like time.
1: I love it. I love it. I could drink it from a barrel, for lack of better term. I really, really enjoy a good maple syrup. Um, but I learned a lot. Also, I'm going to say syrup. And I know a lot of people say syrup. That's not where I'm from. We say syrup. Syrup. Right. Syrup. Yeah. Syrup.
0: Syrup. Right. Now I don't know which one I say.
1: Okay. we'll we'll find out because you're going to forget.
0: I got to forget about it. I got to let it on my brain and then have it come back naturally.
1: Also, mini caveat. I, there are a lot of French names in this. I'm going to do my best. And I'm Évique going. Caron? I'm going to say them with a French accent. And I'm mainly talking to you, Kimberly. I don't want to be mocked.
0: I loved the French accents. It's so makes me want to like learn French. Okay. And move to Canada in a French region like Quebec.
1: But also, don't at me. I'm sure I'm going to get them a little wrong, so I know.
0: I've been walking around my apartment saying "Evic Caron." (laughs) Caron. It's an earworm that gets in there.
1: It does. There's a few in here. Okay. Yeah.
0: So thank you, Jenna. We're so excited. We hope you enjoy your very special episode.
1: Thank you so much, Jenna. We hope you enjoy your special episode adjacent before we do the episode that you actually wanted.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Sorry. I thought we weren't going to mention you until that episode, but I was dead wrong. Okay.
0: She brought this series to my attention.
1: Which is a great series.
0: To my attention.
1: Okay. I'm not even going to have to apologize because so you're just going to go for it. So it doesn't matter. OK, great.
0: I'm going to sound like Peppy LePew the whole
1: episode. That's OK. I think that's just how people sound when they're doing a French accent wrong. <laughs> so um, <laughs> this is this episode is called The Great Maple Syrup Heist. Op- it's so Operative good. word heist. I'm very excited.
0: OK. Operative word maple syrup
1: heist yeah it's pretty yeah i was very i was delighted when i saw the title and then i was not so delighted when i realized how complicated it was but that's all right we do flip back and forth between characters a lot i'm gonna try to make it as simple as i can yeah we start off our episode with b-roll of basically big giant vats of piping hot maple syrup i do not know anything about the way maple syrup is made so this was a lesson For me.
0: Did you know about the tapping of the trees?
1: I didn't, but I didn't understand how that worked. Still not sure because sap, I thought syrup was sap. In my head, that was the same thing. So I thought they were scraping trees.
0: Oh. No, ma'am. No.
1: No, ma'am. So we start with them like mixing the maple syrup in these big, like there's tubes and hoses and big metal vats. Um, And then a woman is speaking French. Uh, It starts in French. And she is talking about a dictatorship slash mafia slash communist regime of terror called the Federation of Maple Syrup Producers. So we will be referring to them mainly as the Federation, which sounds like sounds like Star Wars a little bit. This is our opening and it's interest. This is an interesting series because they're kind of covering both sides. I'll get your opinion at the end who you think they showed more favorably. I have my opinion. Curious to see who you thought.
0: If it's just the person is not likable or if they're showing them in a less likable way.
1: We will get there. I'm, okay. I had the same thought. Okay, so we open our, our episode in Quebec, Canada. Apparently, it is an insult in Canada to serve fake maple syrup on a table.
0: You get slapped with a gloved hand. What is fake maple syrup?
1: I'm assuming it's most maple syrups that I've had. Like,
0: I feel like the a lot of the grocery store ones are not real or they're not at least from Canada.
1: You know, when you go to like Ralph's or Kroger, I think is the grocery store in the rest of the country. So when you go to these grocery stores and they have Mrs. Butterworth's that's four dollars and thirty three cents and then you have that one glass bottle that's 16.95. That's the real. That's real maple syrup. Okay. what
0: do they have at IHOP and Denny's? I don't know. Fake. Probably fake. But that's i that's why the dish costs $7 for 14 eggs, five pancakes, bacon, sausage, and toast.
1: Correct. That is called the Denny's Grand Slam Stravaganza. Stravagza. Stravag- Stravagan eggs.
0: Rudy Tooty Fresh and Fruity. You remember that one? Mm-hmm.
1: I do. I think they still have that. That was also my nickname in high school. Just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means. Anyway. Wait, the Grand Slam or the Rudy Tootie?
1: Rudy Tootie. I wanted to be
0: Rudy Tootie. I was thinking Grand Slam because you were so easy.
1: That would be a funnier. My joke didn't work because it wasn't the right one. Anyways, um, but fake maple syrup is apparently an insult in Canada, which I get and totally unacceptable. Also, Trader Joe's, I feel like, has real maple syrup. Yeah,
0: I think so, too. Okay.
1: Yeah. So we're getting a lot of syrup and sugar footage, specific like the maple crystallized sugar that they keep doing. They do it a few times in the episode, like dipping in snow. And so it becomes like a lollipop of maple syrup.
0: I thought that was sugar.
1: No, it's, they're freezing it. They're putting it in snow. So it's freezing it. So it's a maple I really pop. thought it was sugar. You thought that the out... You think in Canada, it snows powdered sugar?
0: No, I... No, they were inside. Oh, no, I know.
1: But that's... Oh, oh, what they were doing when they were rolling it. Yeah. That happens once. But then when they're rolling it outside, that's the cold ones. Oh. But I think she had chipped ice is what you were seeing. It's just like, mm-hmm. I know that they're making pops. So I just thought that was cool. It seemed very cool to see a maple popsicle. Anyways, I really want to try that. We get to see candy making a few times throughout this, which also got me very excited.
0: Um, oh, yeah. The pecans. Pecans. Yeah. Were those pecans? I don't know my nuts very they well. They were.
1: And I think that is what is goes with maple the best. That's the nut. So the in Quebec, the there is a global strategist reserve of maple syrup, which is basically stack on stack on stack of white barrels. Chicken racks on racks on racks. That's right. Maple syrup stacks on stacks. Um and so the barrels are each worth, and I they're not white, they're apparently like this baby pale blue, but they look white most of the times when we see them. They're worth about $1,800 each, each barrel, $1,800. And I was like, whoa, doggies. And there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of barrels.
0: 30 times the price of oil. That is bananas. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. We should put maple syrup in our cars. No, we shouldn't. That doesn't make any sense.
1: What if it would make everything smell sweet when you went down the street? It would just smell like everyone was having pancakes all the time. I would love that.
0: It would be like that movie you like where the, bu- the bubbles come out of the car. That scared me, that movie. That Christmassy movie. And the bubbles come out of the car. Babes and in Toilet.
1: That... Yeah. Babes in Toilet. <laughs> that, that noise. If anyone has seen the Babes in Toilet with Keanu Reeves and Drew Barrymore, that's what she's talking about.
0: Yeah. She made me watch it. I didn't like
1: it. I loved that it was a television special that my mom had taped. Me. Um, anyways, so if you want to be a maple syrup producer in Quebec, you pretty much have to deal with the Federation of Maple Syrup Producers. So if you're if you have a sugar bush, which is what they call it, and you want to sell your syrup, you have to go under the guidelines of the Federation. The woman that was speaking French at the beginning, we now are introduced to her, and her name is Angèle Grenet. Grenier? I don't hear her name said that much, so apologies. She is one of the independent producers of maple syrup, and she does not like the Federation. So we get her straight off the bat. A rebel. She is called, right, exactly. It's whatever, the rebel. That's Mm -hmm. like her label. Right immediately after meeting her, we meet a pro-Federation. So we have an interview with someone who is pro-Federation named Normand Urbain. Urbain, something. He thinks it is sexy to sell something when there's a controversy surrounding it. So, like, maple syrup is, like, the hot new thing. And he says basically what how it's viewed is free market versus federation. And this is when the theft happens. So in this environment of a lot of producers being pro-federation and a lot of producers wanting a free market with no rules from the federation imposed on how they can do their syrup business. Mm-hmm. The theft happens in this environment, which apparently is still happening to this day. But we Mm. are this this moment in time is set in like 2011, 2012. And in August 2012, the Federation reports a theft with the police at their warehouse filled with white barrels, which
0: they call Fort Knox.
1: Yeah, because it's liquid gold. It's sugar gold.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Okay. Yeah. The police force in Quebec built a special investigator team with 250 investigators, which seemed a, like a lot.
0: I couldn't tell if that's just because there's not as much crime in Canada, or they take maple syrup that seriously.
1: I think it's both. I think they take the syrup very seriously. I think that the federation controls a lot of things.
0: Uh huh.
1: Uh, they're a big industry, a big industry in Quebec, maybe the biggest.
0: They all have their pockets and their hands in each other's pockets and the cookie jar.
1: Sticky hand in the sugar pot.
0: And then going into other people's pockets and then their hands get their lint. The lint sticks to your hands.
1: Or cat hair, depending on whose pocket. But they, they said that they had 250 investigators because it was the biggest crime scene they'd ever had. Because the warehouse is so massive and it's filled with all these barrels. And it took the first two weeks to just figure out which of the barrels was A, empty or B, full of water
0: Mm -hmm, and mm
1: -hmm. not syrup. And I thought this was like one of the coolest things about it is the way that they figured out that they were filled with not syrup is that there were rings of rust that were forming on these barrels and maple syrup does not sweat. So there's no way for that those barrels should be rusting at all. And I was like, first of all, you're trying to figure out, is that spilled maple syrup, which is literally the color of rust on a bit. Ba- Do you know
0: what I'm saying? Maybe you have to go around, wet your finger. And lick your Let's <laughs> see. Oh, that's Maybe rust. Maybe they have maple sniffing, sniffing dogs.
1: Oh, I would not be surprised at that. Although I saw, no, uh, saw zero animals in this episode.
0: Yeah save Except with that
1: a few which we'll get to which i'm not sure what kind of animals they are so it does not sweat the barrels should not be rusted those barrels are filled with water after their investigation they figure out that nine thousand five hundred and sixty one barrels had been stolen worth 18 million dollars that's crazy that's ins- that's bananas and this whole thing all of this, this theft, all of this starts and ends basically with the formation of the Federation. The Federation of Maple Syrup Producers maintains strict control on the price of the maple syrup. So there is a, every harvest of maple syrup, which I'm assuming is in winter because all we're seeing is snowy footage of them tapping trees. So it must happen in the mm-hmm. cold. There is a strict quota each harvest season as to how much syrup the producers can make in that specific season. So, sell. Right. How much they can sell. So, in years where more than that is produced, they send the extra syrup to a place called, in where the barrels are, the Global Strategic Reserve, where the theft happened. So this is where I got a little confused. I got confused about a lot of the business aspects of this. I tried very hard. I think I've got it down. But what I was more concerned about was uh, they're showing this graphic of basically, here's how full the barrel is, and now it's over the quota, so it goes off to this place. But all the producers in Quebec are doing this. I was of the opinion that all maple syrup was slightly different. So each producer would have like a, you know, their brand of syrup. So it would be like Genier's brand would mm. like go and it would taste a little bit different than Joe Smith's down the road. Does that make sense? But it
0: it does. But I think if there unless there are different kinds of maple trees, mm-hmm. then I don't think that's how it works. And I think they sell it as just pure maple syrup like IHOP makes mixtures with blueberries exactly and, like and all
1: sorts of different like a buttery more buttery but they flavor probably
0: sell it to a bottler and they're mixing it but i think in canada i don't want to assume they probably shun ihop's blueberry maple syrup
1: or like the butter pecan right right pure maple
0: syrup i would guess
1: here's the issue that i have with this this is all well and good if i didn't know about avocados avocados from haas take taste very, very different than avocados from a different grower. Now, Mm. I don't know if that's because some avocados are from Mexico and some are from Florida. So they're two different breed of trees. So maybe because this is only in Quebec, all of these trees are the same genes, right? Right.
0: Right, right. I see what you're saying.
1: But you see where I'm saying, where it seems weird that they would mix all the syrups together from all the different producers. I was like...
0: Well, that is really just in case of an emergency shortage. Right. The reserve. But what seems unfair about it is, let's say you have a great crop harvest, mm-hmm. whatever, one year, and you make tons and tons more barrels than you normally would. Your trees are just spewing out syrup like we spew out non facts On the show. And then the government or the federation, Federation. F F, the feds, take your syrup from you and then it belongs to them. Mm -hmm. And you're not allowed to sell that extra syrup. But then they say if there's a year where it's a shortcoming, then they give back that, they put that reserve syrup into the market.
1: But they but you're not getting the money from that reserve syrup. You're just sending it to them, even though you've done all the labor to produce that syrup. This is what I don't understand. You do.
0: If if in the reserve, if it was a short year, they would parcel that out. And that's why some growers won't go bankrupt if they have a poor year. But so to protect them from getting if they had a horrible harvest, they would get money and or syrup not sure how that works back from the federation it's like a but
1: it's not theirs they didn't produce it it was it could come from joe smith's farm even though grenier had a bad harvest she's gonna they're gonna release joe smith's to help her but that basically caps it caps the money you can make right And does that mean that everyone's making basically the same amount, no matter how much syrup? No,
0: because some people have a lot bigger sugar bushes and a lot more trees. Mm -hmm. So they're still making more than the smaller people. But it does regulate the price of it more. And it makes it so the price doesn't skyrocket if there's a shortage for the public, too, I think. Like, so when there's a gas shortage, gas goes up like five bucks a gallon. Right. So I think they are trying to prevent that, but they're mostly think say they're doing it to protect the smaller producers right. from going bankrupt. But our red-haired friend just wants to be able to sell as much as she makes. Mhm. And
1: to whomever she likes because this is where the other problem comes in because they can release this to the free market but they're also controlling they're strictly controlling who sells who they sell to.
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: So that's not I don't the part I now I am not knowledgeable in the ways of these kinds of things. But on the surface, that gave me pause because I was like, "Well, what if I had a great connect in upper Washington state that loved specifically my syrup, my syrup mixes, and I wanted to sell to them? If I was had a sugar bush in Quebec, I would not be able to do that because they are not approved by the, you know, the Federation is the one that's selling it. That's tricky to me. Um, So there's there's problems on both sides, as we will come to see. So the Federation strictly controls maple syrup production and distribution in Quebec. That's the bottom line.
0: There is good sides on both points. But the thing they pointed out, and I'm sure you'll get to our redheaded reporter that we like, it originally started with good intentions. Yes, where there were good points to both sides, but they've become so powerful that they're now charging people hundreds of thousands of dollars in like fines and Right, things. we're going to
1: get there. Yes, exactly. So they are keeping strip control. But my point was that there is a lot of people who do not want this as well. There are people who appreciate the Federation and there are people that don't and that just want it to be a free market how it used to be. Mm-hmm. So we get to see Angela Grenier, the red haired woman. Tapping maple trees, which is amazing because they have all of the strings around the trees, which I yeah. I'm i not sure what that is. If like that's where the taps are, so you know where to go in your sugar bush. Is that kind of what that is? So it marks it out for you? That It,
0: it might be that. It might be marking property lines too.
1: Like if her maple grove is cut in half.
0: Because she shares it with a neighbor. Right. You can't tap from somebody else's tree.
1: That makes sense. But it is so it's so neat to see the the footage in this series is gorgeous. It's beautifully shot. It makes it it makes, again, Canada look like a winter sugar wonderland. Well,
0: she puts on those snowshoes that look like tennis rackets. Yes, they are all wearing
1: snowshoes. I love that.
0: It's like, you know, on Kicking of the Hill, if they they go on a vocation vacation mm-hmm. where they go learn how to make baskets, mm-hmm. I would go on a vocation vacation to learn about maple syrup.
1: I would do that trees. with you. That would be it so would be fun. fun. Maybe the goals for 2022.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm writing it down. Maple syrup <laughs> excursion. We need to do more things. <laughs> if there's nothing that COVID-19 has taught us, it's that you everyone needs to do more things. I'm wasting
0: my life. I, correct. Okay. <laughs> Maybe the fact that my life has changed so little mm. since being in lockdown.
1: We don't talk about that. We an don't. indication
0: that I need to cha- make some changes.
1: Okay. I just wrote down maple extraction. I hope I know what that means.
0: Excursion.
1: I wrote extractions, which is a lot.
0: I mean, you are extracting from the trees, but we're going on an excursion to extract.
1: Maple extraction and excursion 2022. All right. So Angela is saying that according to her, the Federation, 90% of independent producers are actually against this system. I'm not sure if that's the correct number. That's what she says it is.
0: I feel like there's like a union or people maybe like, at meetings, getting riled up, and then maybe some people say they're on one side because they're scared of the other side. So like, we need um, a census, like a blind type of voting system to see exactly what the percentage is.
1: I volunteer as tribute to make those calls.
0: I am scared of her with the red hair. I really like her spirit and her rebelness, but I would be scared of her if she was yelling at me in French. I would be like, I totally agree with you, F the Federation.
1: Can I ask you a serious question? Would you be scared if anybody yelled at you in French?
0: Yeah, probably. Even Poirot, who I love.
1: Yeah, we don't want, yeah. Yeah. But he's a Belgi. But these are Canadian, French-Canadian. It's also, we're so used to seeing everyone in Canada being so nice that she's very sad and angry. And so it's doubly <laughs> yeah. disconcerting. You're like, no, Angelée. Um <laughs> She says that they all just want that right to sell outside of the Federation of Quebec. Now we go back to the... Ur- urban urban and he is the pro federation we find out why he's pro federation his dad was the second vice president in the federation's history
0: this feels very george w bush to me
1: this feels very like lopsided because you're immediately involved in the federation i really would have liked an interview with someone who just follows the federation rules but does not have a direct descendant link right to the hierarchy of the Federation would help me out here. He says he doesn't need the black market. No one does. He says he follows the rules and makes his ends meet just fine. He just follows the Federation's rules and everything's good to go. Well,
0: aren't you lucky? Not everyone is so lucky.
1: He says, according to him, before the Federation imposed these rules, exactly what our reporter friend says, is that a lot of producers in Quebec were going belly up. Because I'm sure that's what happens when it's supply and demand.
0: It's like farmers. If they have a bad year of rain, yes, they... Yeah.
1: And if your maple trees are not producing what they need to, then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so i think that's just what happens um and then it it controlled there being a monopoly of these large sugar bushes right mm-hmm. and cutting out all the little guys but that's when i want to be like well shouldn't the little guys then be focusing on candies on like maple goods and not maple syrup so much as like what they can create from the maple syrup
0: well, that's interesting i don't know i don't know yeah, either that's an you should write them a letter
1: okay uh, maple cubes like instead of sugar cubes you put a Dollop of maple in your coffee. Ooh, that would be oh. so good, right? Okay, I think I just came up with something. So I'm sure it's already been done. Then we get B-roll of Mounties, which is
0: so cool. And the they have music playing, and it's like slow motion them tightening their buckles and stuff. And the
1: red is like that yeah. that cardinal red. That's so it's like a Louboutin shoe red. It's the best. <laughs> Sorry, that's the I just found out. The only reason I'm thinking about that is you know I've been painting a lot of my shoes. And the leather paint company that I buy from has something called, it's called like shoe bottom red or something like oh. that. But it is the identical color match to a Louboutin. So basically what you can do is take this red Just paint.
0: Paint it on the bottom of your shoes.
1: Yeah. Anyways, the Mounty B-roll is so fancy and fantastic. And it tells us we're moving back to find out more about the investigation of the heist. So the giant investigation team interviews 223 witnesses. And the person that we're getting is must be the person who is talking about this. He has a double last name that I did not write down, but it's Beauchamp. It's something very French and fancy sounding. He's delightful and his French accent is glorious. He's also wearing those do they have robes to the lawyers? The judge. Where... Are you
0: talking about the judge or the lawyer?
1: The is he a judge? Is that sorry? I There's did not one write that down was a judge. Dark hair, glasses. Was
0: facing. Yeah, that's the judge.
1: Okay. And yeah. then the
0: younger looking guy with the spikier hair. Yeah,
1: that's Hans. I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. lawyer. Yeah. So, but the judge is very. I like him a lot. He's very well put together and kind of young. And I thought could be a boyfriend of yours.
0: I liked his little, his accent.
1: Yeah, I thought he would be a very. Fi- you might be intimidated. He's a, I mean, he's a judge.
0: I know, I, but I liked him.
1: Okay, never mind. I'll write him a letter. Mm-hmm. Do you have any pictures? Can you send me a couple pictures?
0: So, <laughs> do you like my friend? So, slowly. <laughs> <laughs> slowly, yes or no. Yeah, I know. With maple syrup. She thinks you're handsome. Dip your finger in maple syrup and write a yes or Y or an N. Oh,
1: Kent, also, can you send us? several thousand dollars for a trip to quebec thank you bye um so slowly the he says the investigation starts to narrow down the major players in the heist and here is where we get your um your best friend avi caron (laughs) is that who you're
0: i know i think he's like an evil genius not my boyfriend at all but i love the name it's one of those earworms like mahmoud Ahmadinejad. it's like also not a good person But it's like a good thing. That's the word,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, um, Avi Caron is one of the owners of the warehouse that, they just say the warehouse, but he basically owns where the Global Reserve is. That's his warehouse.
0: The Federation is renting it from him.
1: Which I thought was surprising. The Federation can't buy their own warehouse.
0: I know. And who, did they not know who they were getting into
1: bed with? But I'm also thinking that this is not the Federation's main warehouse, that this is the overflow
0: yeah, I think so. I think you might be right.
1: Okay, because I don't think, I think they would be right. I think they got in a pickle and had to rent some warehouse space real fast. And I also,
0: don't... I feel like this was one of the warehouses where they only do like monthly inspections, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But um, or was it a yearly inspection? But I feel like I thought main, it was like
1: every six months,
0: something like that. But like the main warehouse, I feel like would have like guards walking around or something at night. Security guards, at least it's Canada.
1: The crime is like nothing, I think. Yeah, I guess. Um, So we find out that Kawan is someone who has a lot of fraud charges in his past. He's had some troubles, even though he owns some warehouse space. I think that he would probably be a very likely first witness for them. Mm -hmm. So, or sorry, witness is also what they're calling suspects. They don't say suspect; they say witness. Anyways, um, another theory sort of comes out as they're investigating. This involves a smaller, but still it was several several million dollars, just not eighteen million dollars heist that happened back in two thousand three, and it was never solved. And the main witness or suspect in that case was, oh, what's his name? Ricard, uh, Ricard Valier. Valier, yeah. Valier yeah. mm-hmm. was the main suspect. Um, so we get his lawyer, which is kind of great. And he says that Valier was known as the most, he was the most famous barrel roller in Quebec. Yeah. But I got very excited. And a barrel roller is somebody who buys all the overproduction of syrup from producers on the black market.
0: Right, since they're not technically allowed to sell their overflow, so right.
1: these are people crook in the books, right? They're saying no, we only made this much, but they're sending this overflow to Valier so he can sell it to people that can transport it. Yeah, um, so then he—that's exactly—it's
0: like, um, like the um, the hmm? boot, its bootleggers, and um, when America was dry, what am I? Prohibition.
1: Yeah. You were going to get there.
0: I guess like I kept thinking abolition and I was like, that's not right.
1: Different. Yeah.
0: Prohibition.
1: Prohibition bad. Abolition good.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Prohibition, uh, except that the syrup isn't illegal.
0: But overflow is selling. Overflow is.
1: Yes. So, yes, that is apparently only within the Federation. And so the Federation, if you sell to an exporter, basically, if you don't give the overflow and you sell it off, you're fine. And so Valier, over the years has been fined over one million dollars because he keeps doing it. So my only guess is that he is making much, much more than one million dollars.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I think he's making gold.
1: Yeah, it is. Sugary sweetness. So these fines, though, of course, very greatly benefit the Federation because that's just money, money in their pockets. So 100 percent. They're not actually producing syrup. They're just controlling the syrup. Okay. So now we meet Etienne St. Pierre, who is a syrup exporter. He's the one that you're not allowed to sell to. And he would sell syrups to the U.S. and Europe. He would buy from big sellers like Valier as well as smaller, like independent producers, like our lady friend. And he says the system is like prostitution, where basically the Federation is a pimp and takes a huge cut of the money hmm That's...
0: And they're not the ones doing the work.
1: Correct. So, and Etienne St. Pierre is not under the jurisdiction of the Federation because he is very clever and lives in New Brunswick. So he lives yeah. outside Quebec.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's but like... they're
0: trying to get him still.
1: They're trying to get him because they say he's taking something from Quebec, which puts him in the jurisdiction of the Quebec law um, right. or the Federation's law.
0: He's like the bad boy of the maple syrup king.
1: And he could not look less like a bad boy, except he does look a little bit like older years Michael Caine.
0: He does. He totally looks like, yes. Do you know what I'm Michael saying? Michael Caine. But we're seeing him in a diner. Um, and but it's the
1: cutest diner I've cutest ever seen. Diner. Yeah. Oh, it's and, like
0: a 50s type diner. And it's he's eating cute.
1: crepes, which is adorable. And you're like, oh, my goodness. Butter. It's like these little delicate lacy. Ugh. It's lovely. And they have like a bowl of fruit. Okay. Anyways. Um <laughs> so Grenier, our woman, the rebel, was also fined fifty thousand dollars. From the by the Federation for her selling of overage. And I can only imagine that she sold also to Etienne St. Pierre because she joins him in this diner B-roll. She does. And she trusts him. She likes him. She does. Mm-hmm. like They're friends. They're definitely friends. So she was fined by the Federation $50,000 and goes out and is like, I'm going to fight this and finds herself a lawyer who cares enough to help her in this fight. And here we meet Hans Mercier. So Hans Mercier practices in maple syrup law and he's very nice. We I like Hans. Did you like Hans? Okay.
0: he said when I go to a party and people say, what kind of law do you practice? And he says maple syrup. He's so cute.
1: And I don't think he has a lot of money. And so I just loved him because I think he's he's working
0: hard. He's one of those like he's like a public defender, like really working hard
1: for what he believes in. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He says his biggest fight was saying that these fines that the Federation was imposing are unconstitutional. And so he won. He wins his ruling and the government comes back like a few months after he wins Mm -hmm. and brings the fines back with these special laws.
0: They created special laws within a few months and passed them. It's so insane. It's like the government making laws to help the banks. Screw people over.
1: Unbelievable. I don't know why they wouldn't upsta- uphold the ruling. It just doesn't make any sense.
0: Well, because there wasn't a law in place, but then they create it. They're like, oh, we have to agree with that now because there's no law. I'm going to create a law.
1: So we can agree that Quebec and the Federation are like sticky fingers, hands at hands.
0: Yeah. It feels like a mafia. Being in cahoots with the government. It's really shady. It's
1: real, It's real. They, they're not making it look that great. But now we travel back to the investigation again. The physical materials found in the warehouse are being looked into. And there were these specific forklift marks that were on the barrel. Um, I don't know how they're getting in there without forklift marks anyways. But the barrels we're seeing seem to be all pristine.
0: Because they show the kind of forklift they usually use what was doesn't it? leave marks. So it slides under and then it has a clamp that goes on top of the barrel mm. so it doesn't leave a mark and it like is designed to carry those barrels. But these scrapes on the side are like the ones that
1: are squeezing are it like
0: a claw. Yeah,
1: right. Squeezing it. OK, thank you because I did not see what kind of like special thing they were using. So these forklift marks are clearly going to be on the barrels that are not authentic, I guess we could say. So they go and try to find out where these forklifts that are not the correct forklifts were being rented from because it's that specific one.
0: This is like forensic forklift technology.
1: It totally is.
0: Uh, Forensic files.
1: And so we find out that one of the suspects, one of these, like, as they're narrowing the field, one of their main witness suspects actually rented one of these forklifts. And we meet Sebastien Joutois. What is it? you okay there we go Sebastien. so Sebastien seems like the nicest guy on the planet we get to see him in interview and he, he has a-
0: kids drawings on his fridge so he looks like uh
1: he is your classic he was a big teddy bear
0: right
1: is Sebastien? he admits to transporting the stolen syrup like straight straight away but he said he doesn't know it was stolen mm-hmm. okay well so he's I'm nice. holding
0: it for a friend
1: but he's a liar. So, and what comes to light is that Sebastien is actually the connector between Avi Caron and Valier. So he was the one that introduced the warehouse owner to the seller. Caron was buying warehouses. I guess it seemed like he was buying multiple warehouses, and the Federation came to him to see if they could rent storage. That's why I wrote it down for their excess syrup. There we go.
0: Okay, so it is excess. Okay.
1: Yes, but he didn't know anything. That is not Avi Caron's, like, that's not his um, porté, I guess you could say. He didn't know anything he about it. He didn't come maple. from
0: syrup, as they say. Exactly.
1: He comes from just fraud and yeah. <laughs> gangsters. Yes. And so he needed somebody that was in the business, and that's when Sébastien introduced him to Valier. So here we have it. So- we go back to granier to our lovely redheaded lady and she says the federation was sending people to her house to spy on her and to take video of her they're like federation inspectors um and so spies yeah basically so i mean this sort of 2000 to 2012 period it was just like a slow ramping up of people or of independent producers being against the federation and, and something
0: had to give
1: kind of it like reached its pinnacle in this heist basically so at a, one time there was a mob of like 50 people or rebels whatever that blocked and uh someone who was coming to do an inspection one of the federation inspectors from coming to inspect their sugar bush they there were 50 people saying you can't come you can't come and in he's here like
0: a nerdy inspector guy and then it's these big burly like kind of they look It was a mix. It was a mixed crowd. But there was one guy in the front who looked like a Canadian mountain man who's like catching fish with his hands.
1: And like maybe some sugar crystals in his beard. I said, this is the nicest bunch of rebels you've ever seen, though. They don't have any (laughs) weapons. Like, they're just very like...
0: I never felt like violence was actually going to break out. No. Unlike in America. At no no
1: point did it seem like this was going to get violent.
0: They were like, you can't pass, sir. Sorry.
1: Yeah, sorry. And then we have one police officer and she's kind of in the background being like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> we're in a, well, I don't know. Okay, sticky, so
0: we're in a sticky situation here. We got a
1: sticky problem down here at the sugar bush. So, of course, we hear from Grenier. So we need to hear from Urbane, our gentleman who was in the Federation. Well, his dad was in the Federation.
0: Is he in the Federation, though? Does he not? They
1: don't tell us that.
0: But he has some trees like he does his own tap. They do.
1: They say he's a producer, but they do not have him in. They don't have it in his byline when they introduce him. But I still think that he has stake. If his dad was the vice president.
0: Yeah,
1: I absolutely think he's going to the shareholders meetings. Let's put it that way, because he's he mentions the shareholders meetings. So yeah, he, yeah. he's making money from the Federation and not just because of the rules. And he's also with his dad now. And his dad is very elderly and he's very sweet. He starts talking about this kind of rebel faction being awful people. He says in the early 2000s, he was out tapping trees. So, yes, he does have a sugar bush tapping trees. And he was walking back and sees smoke coming out of his sugar shack. (laughs) Sorry, it's called a sugar shack. And his sugar shack is on fire. And they lost that
0: smell good or does that smell just like fire, do you think? Or does it smell like a bakery?
1: I want to think it smells like a bakery, but i I don't think so. The sweetly scented flames licked to the sky of the cold. I don't like know brown
0: sugar or something.
1: Yeah. Know. Oh, that would. I feel like it would smell delicious. I don't know. Um. So that's not great. And there were two other fires set in the two weeks following the fire at his of his sugar shack, and they all were members that were high up in the Federation.
0: I feel like this is all a symbolism to the Black Lives Matter
1: movement. <laughs> Why is that?
0: There are people like doing lawful protests and then there are people rioting and burning things down.
1: Yeah, that's true. I wonder who set those fires.
0: Do you think it was a redheaded rebel? How big of a rebel is she?
1: I don't know.
0: We don't know. But she seems she seems to admire
1: She definitely does. I think she just wants, she very much, I don't think she's involved, but I think she, if she heard something, she would turn the other way and not stop it. Does that make sense? She just wouldn't go to the meeting that was planning it. Right. So now we are going to the Madrid truck stop. It's in Quebec. It's off this major freeway. And we get, we start our thousand minutes of B-roll of these very strange dinosaur statues that are there multiple times throughout the episode. That they don't really look like dinosaurs. And this blew my mind because I was like, are dinosaurs different in Canada than they are in the United States? (laughs) Are they? Like, do we just think dinosaurs look a certain way? But in Canada, they're like, no way. This looks like that. Like, that's not a brontosaurus to them. That's something else. (laughs) No.
0: Or is that just a weird artist? I think it was just a weird artist.
1: Because we see them a lot. there's a lot of footage of them Canadian dinosaurs so it's
0: like a themed truck stop gas station thing
1: no but that's it it's just like this little like picnic area is it
0: because of like dinosaurs and oil is there some I
1: have no idea why there are all these I think they're trying to get people to stop and take pictures, and then oh, they'll come into the store and it's buy some a
0: tourist s- trap. Yeah. Buy
1: some maple candies, yeah, because it seemed like a hu- it was a huge like yeah truck stop.
0: There was also a Mick Cafe in there. Sorry, did you see the little sign? I didn't. Mick Cafe.
1: Well, does that mean they serve the coffee?
0: I don't know. Or do they do they serve the breakfast stuff, or do they just serve the? Maybe they just serve the coffee.
1: Because it was just McCafe. It didn't say McDonald's. It just said
0: McCafe. So maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Just the coffee.
1: Maybe just coffee. But the important thing about Madrid truck stop is this is when the heist gets going. In June 2011, there's a meeting there between Avi Cavron, Sebastien, jouet and Valier. You are
0: killing these names. I
1: am doing terrible. I'm sorry. No,
0: you're doing so well. So
1: Avi Cavron's role was to steal the syrup and then Ricard, Ricard Valier think it's Ricard, was to transport and sell it. And a heist was born. Sebastien had absolutely no, uh, he doesn't, he wasn't given a job. I don't know why. He was like the middleman to set up the two guys. But he's
0: the driver,
1: right? Well, that's what they said. But they said Valier was supposed to transport and sell it. But I think he arranged the transport.
0: I think he arranged the transport.
1: Okay. And Sebastien actually drove the physical truck. He
0: might have driven the physical truck.
1: Yeah. So it's extremely well-coordinated. And
0: rented the forklift. Yes. Which is how they got him.
1: Which is how they got him.
0: After going to hundreds of forklift shops.
1: Right. This, I don't know. I don't want to say it doesn't seem that hard, but it seems like that would be like a logical way to do it. Like,
0: I don't know how they figured out the match of the marks to the actual forklift kind it is, but there's forensic people for that sort of thing.
1: Oh, no, it's easy. You can tell that it's the squeezy one.
0: Right. But then and then they went to all of these rental places and narrowed down and they they compared everyone who had rented forklifts in that whole area to. I think
1: that they had were looking for very specific names when they went to the forklifts place. So they saw Sebastian and were like, OK, yeah, I I was more thinking it was going to be the actual water that was in the barrels was traced to this specific <laughs> pond that was I like... mean, they
0: did have 200 people on this task force working on it. So. They could have done something harder. You're right.
1: I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's OK. I mean, I just really like. The
0: condensation, like how you... Matt, there was like one leaf that was from one.
1: One sugar bush. One that was only bush. like yeah. the genius mm-hmm. typing of that sort of thing. Yeah. Anyways. Um,
0: but the judge made a good point about the how hard it is to find maple syrup. He was like, the hard thing about maple syrup, there's no DNA There's Mm -hmm. no hair fiber. There's no GPS tracking in it. And worst of all, you can eat it. So you can literally devour the thing that you were stealing and they'll never find it.
1: There's not different types. You can't even tell by taste, Mm -hmm. right? So yeah, the whole operation was extremely well-coordinated. The barrels were lifted and taken out of the special reserve and then replaced with new barrels. Uh, Sebastien brought 104 barrels from a legitimate barrel company and they painted them the exact right shade of blue this is when we find out that they're light blue yeah i still think white i think they're just that super pale light blue which is very smart because it's harder to do that because you'd have to mix the paint you know um with the identical federation sticker markings that whole thing sounds like so much fun it's like you'd
0: definitely use a lot of printer ink it's like you'd I, be scraping paint and like mixing palettes
1: they're like matching the sticker exactly, finding the font, doing uh-huh. the thing. That part seemed like fun. Well, they- then
0: you might be a good forge artist. A forgery, forgerist. Like that guy, the dentist that we just heard about that had that horrible CIA badge. Crentist? Our- <laughs> Your dentist's name is Crentist.
1: So they would make the barrels look identical to the Federation barrels. Then they would move the syrup barrels to a warehouse rented by Valier and siphon the syrup out of it into other containers. It looked like there were some big square containers, some actual metal silver barrels, and then they would fill the empty Federation barrels with water and then take them back to the Federation overflow warehouse. So we get to sort of see, like, the operation. I
0: don't totally understand that because they only bought 144 barrels to do the switcheroo, but they stole 9,000 barrels.
1: So when he said legitimate barrels, my thought was, so they bought 104 legitimate Federation-looking barrels. So they bought the, the baby blue barrels. They bought the copycat barrels. And
0: then they made a whole bunch of And then
1: they fake. made a whole bunch of fake barrels. I think that that sentence was just left out.
0: They're transferring the syrup into different containers once they get it, so they can send those barrels back. Now, that doesn't make sense because then they're empty. Oh,
1: right. But why would they need to make Federation barrels?
0: And why did they have to make Federation barrels? If they're transferring the syrup... Out of it. Out of it.
1: So maybe, maybe they-, they
0: only transferred some of it out and they left some of them in the barrels.
1: I think they did a couple of different things. I think they maybe did a few different ways. Man, that would just take forever. But it said they took them a year. They did it from 2011 to 2012. Is this
0: the the long con? Can we call this a long con?
1: I think it's a medium con because the long con is usually like 20 years. So sorry. I was
0: so excited to finally have a long con.
1: We've had several long cons. That one guy, With the woman who finally caught him and he went through like he was scamming women coast to coast.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: Can't remember anyone's name, but you know what I'm talking about. So the syrup in the containers, the actual maple syrup that was siphoned out, would be sold to Etienne St. Pierre. Uh Uh-huh. New Brunswick's involved. And he sent it to U.S., Germany, and Japan. Japan. Why does Germany and Japan want it?
0: Well, Japan makes a lot of those fish there's a shape like fish and they're cakes, but they're sweet. And I bet those have maple syrup
1: in them. Is it like a also, dab? They don't
0: have, they may not have maple trees in Japan. But Germany? They might not have maple trees in Germany. Maybe not. Maybe maple trees are only in North America.
1: It was just interesting how specific that was. Those three specific countries got the maple syrup.
0: Maybe they only have the fake stuff there and they want the real stuff.
1: Maybe so. I just, I would imagine U.S. and Europe, but I was surprised that they gave us two specific, three specific countries, and that's yeah. it. Okay. So now they're about to get caught because Avicaron is a criminal. He is an actual, like, person with Italian mob allegations against him. He is a mobster. He is a full criminal. And the poor other guys, like Valier and Sebastien, they're in super deep and, Kevron tells them that they need burner phones and they all are. Oh, my gosh. The investigation gets all their text messages from the burner phones and they're pretty they bad. They can
0: throw them away
1: <laughs> in time. Apparently, I don't even I it's ridiculous, but you can tell these guys have never even thought to get burner phones before that Canada has no crime. They're just like, whatever. So now during that more dinosaur B-roll, we're back to the dinosaurs. We get to see some of their texts that are a lot. They're like Federation is on their way. They're coming to do their inspection. And the return text is like, make make a lot of dust, which I thought was a euphemism for something else. Then I was like, oh, no, it's just make it so it's dusty in the warehouse. Oh, yeah. Create a lot of dust. And then they also said, uh, we're going to bring down the lights very low so that they won't be able to maybe see that the color's off on the barrels. That was fascinating.
0: And they're showing these texts over each image of one of the three dinosaurs. So like each dinosaur represents a man and his texts. So like one of them's the stegosaurus.
1: Whose idea? Whose idea was that?
0: I thought it worked. I thought it was clever.
1: Both Oliver and I were like, why do we keep seeing these dinosaurs? And why do (laughs) they look so weird?
0: I'm sure if I knew more about dinosaurs and their personalities, I would see how it related to each of the three men.
1: I'm going to to continue calling them the Canadian dinosaurs because they're not the dinosaurs that I've come to know. (laughs) So they're not the Jurassic Park dinosaurs. So... Anyways, they're, they're interesting texts. And then Avi Caron tells his co-conspirators, throw out your phones when the heat starts getting heavy and then also starts making threats to them, such as, I know where you live and I'm going to put a bullet in your head. Jeez. Yeah, he really doesn't want them to turn on
0: him. But- Were they splitting the money evenly? Like, were they each going to get- No, Sebastian probably wasn't going to get an even cut.
1: I think Sebastian was going to get-
0: Sebastian. 10%. Oh, look that's... at his
1: house. He has a beautiful house, but it's not a mansion.
0: No, he's a family guy. He's pushing a stroller and has a picture of Wario on his fridge. It was Wario? Wario?
1: Oh, that's funny. But he, Sebastian, is the first one that decides to collaborate, is what they call it, when you turn, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: coat on your friends, on your <laughs> co-conspirators with the investigators. You
0: flip like a pancake.
1: He flipped like a, he flipped like a crepe. So he says he never knew where the syrup came from. He, all he did was connect Valier with Avec with Favron. And he said that he didn't know where the syrup came from at first. And then when he saw the barrels, he put one and one together. But he
0: still drove the trucks. Yeah. Okay. And, and he knew by then.
1: Yeah. And so he testifies against... Basically, he testifies against all of them, including Etienne St. Pierre, which is really sad because Etienne. he's in New
0: Brunswick. He's technically not breaking the law still, right?
1: That's what they said, that he's outside the main theft, but moving stolen maple syrup from Quebec is illegal. And so what they do is they come and seize all of uh, Etienne St. Pierre's syrup, all of it, and not even the one, the stolen syrup. Like, uh, every bit of syrup he has. He's
0: standing in, like, an empty room, just looking at, like, the ground. Nothing is there. And they
1: close his bank accounts, which I thought was (sighs) just—that's rough. It makes me really sad. So he says Valier just called him and asked him if he wanted syrup, and he said yes. I mean, it's as
0: simple as that. But he had to kind of have known it was—I mean, he's— He's been in the
1: business a minute.
0: He's already selling black market stuff, so the leap to stolen stuff is not— Huge.
1: But I think, in their opinion, it's like a black market that's not a legitimate black market because this shouldn't be illegal. Is kind of what they're all thinking. He thinks that this is it's all fighting about against
0: an unjust law. So
1: right, so that they're still on the just. right
0: side of history. Yes,
1: he thinks that this is all about the Federation just trying to shut down his operation, just trying to close his business because they want to be the only ones controlling the syrup,
0: mm-hmm. and they've been trying to get him forever.
1: Right. And if there's someone like him that's willing to transport it and sell it to buyers, then
0: mm-hmm.
1: he makes their job harder to collect their fines. Right. Man, it's stupid. OK, so then we go to somewhere called the Justice Palace. I don't know if it's actually called that, but it's called like Pelier de Justice. And I was like, it's got to be the Justice Palace. The Justice
0: Palace. That sounds
1: right. It sounded good. All three are arrested. Uh, Caron is given six years in jail and a one point seven million dollar fine. Carvalier is eight years in jail with $10 million fine. And at the end, St. Pierre is given two years home jail, home imprisonment, but a $1.3 million fine or $1.03. What does that mean? $1,003,000 fine? That's very specific. $1.03? $1.03 is what it said. Huh. What's the oh, 3 30000 1030000 Question mark. Um, and then, Sebastien, Nothing? Nothing, I guess. We hear nothing about him getting any kind he of fine. He made fines, a good deal. But they don't get very much time. And I'm sure they got out Eight very years quickly. For that
0: one guy is a lot. But he, yeah, they probably get out probably a lot faster.
1: He also looks like more of a heavy duty criminal. If I saw him and they were like, he's a criminal, I would not guess that it was syrup fraud at all. <laughs> of course.
0: That's what the redheaded reporter keeps joking. She's like, it's syrup, dude. She's like, I, she's like, I report on serious crimes all the time and this is a huge crime. But at the same time, it's, it's syrup. syrup. So
1: the Federation's very happy because they got some sweet, sweet justice. I didn't even write that down. I just came up with it. That's sad. <laughs> But two months after these sentences were placed on the gentleman, we're back with Grenier, the redheaded rebel. And she is told by the court that they are declining to hear the case that her and Hans have been making and uphold the federation fines of $50,000. I'm so sad. So she says the federation managed to turn buyers into criminals. And she said that in Quebec drugs are decriminalized, but they have criminalized maple syrup, which is fascinating. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How crazy is that? Um, She says, and which is more dangerous she is very, very sad for St. Pierre because she said he, all he wanted to do was make a living in maple syrup and retire peacefully. And that when this all started, she was still hopeful for her retirement. She knew it would take five to 10 years, but she eventually thought that she would win her case. And no, she won't win against the Federation. So now she
0: can't even retire and she has to go out in the snow and tap trees for another however many years. So
1: upsetting. So then we go back to Urbane. Urbane who is our Federation spokesperson, but he's maybe not in the Federation, we don't know. And he tells us about a saying that's on all Quebec license plates, which is, je mets I think, something like that. And he says, I remember, is what that means. He said, well, I remember how much work my father put into this. And this is the first year that he can actually live off the profits of maple syrup, which in the 80s would have been impossible. And I said, What? I've seen that house. We're seeing his house and his computer and all this stuff the whole time. This is the first year he's going to be able to live off his profits without having a side business. So that makes I me think. I was so
0: distracted by, I remember. You know what I remember? The Holocaust, 9 11.
1: Why does Quebec have I remember? So it must be something specific historically that happened in Quebec. And I don't know enough about Canadian history, but it must be something specific that happened there.
0: I guarantee you it's not about his dad working hard in the maple syrup industry, though. It's
1: definitely not.
0: That's what they put on the flag so that everyone would remember how hard his dad worked at the Federation.
1: He's not saying that. He's just saying that. Well, you know what I remember, but it is like you also it's like oh, every time that we say hashtag never forget and then go because we're not supposed to use that because but it's we're very saying specific. it
0: ironically as a joke.
1: Right. He's not joking. This is no,
0: he's absolutely not joking.
1: Syrup seriousness. I think he's getting a Federation salary. I could be wrong. I don't know. But he says the industry was worth less than 100 million dollars 20 years ago, and now it's worth half a billion in Quebec alone. And he said, without the Federation, maple syrup wouldn't be an industry. And I have to just say, I don't know, because I just am not that great with economics. So I uh,
0: he also said that when his dad started, it was a bunch of old guys with white hair. And then now when he goes to their meetings and stuff, it's young people that are excited to get into the industry because they think there's a lot of money in it. Who's to say what's better or worse? I'm sure for some of the smaller producers, that's worse for them. Maybe overall, I just think there has to be a compromise. There has to be a happy medium between having a federation and some free control.
1: Because do these young people also have sugar bushes? No, they're coming in at the federation level to take the things from the producers. They're not actually producers themselves, right?
0: Or they are... Or it's like um, gentrification and they're moving in on people's sugar bushes and buying them up when they're having a bad year and can't afford them or something. Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know if that's what happened. I don't either.
1: Uh, we'll have to ask Hans. But Hans, the lawyer, tells us that this whole case was always David versus Goliath. He's going to try to keep fighting for the freedom for the producers in Quebec and tells us that every controlled economy has failed in the history of everywhere. Any controlled economy has failed. So then we get Urbane again, who tells us that the because they're going back and forth between like the Federation side and the Freedom Fighters side this whole time, because the Federation says there are there have been no bankruptcies in maple syrup anymore because of the Federation. Um, and then Grenier gets the last word and says, I can't think about my future because it makes me sick, mm. basically. And that. Why do they want us to go bankrupt? So she's thinking this will drag her into bankruptcy, but probably because part of their, the smaller groves, I would assume that part of their business was doing outside deals, right? That was part. And so these fines mean that they can't make their living. The reporter that you love tells us that everybody is angry still, both sides are still angry. And the Federation has said that a theft this size will not ever happen again. But she thinks that if the the division, how strong it is now, for and against, keeps up the way it is, it definitely could happen again. Mm-hmm. We could have maple syrup highest part due.
0: I would love it. St- and even Han says there's, he's representing her, but he's like, he understands these people that get so passionate about it. Right. That they, they are just so angry and they just feel like it's so unjust that they are willing to go to things like arson or stealing you know and even though they're a small percentage they might give everyone a bad name that's out protesting but it all comes from this place of wanting this equality or fighting against what they think is right
1: i don't know what to think
0: i know who doesn't come off looking great is the guy whose dad works for the federation he comes off whiny and annoying and unlikable and pretentious. And Unfortunately,
1: yes, that's true. He doesn't come off looking that great.
0: But I can't tell, is that just him? And if they had picked another Federation guy? I think they should have
1: picked somebody who did not have a connection directly to the Federation. But again, a producer that was just in following the rules of the Federation and it was working out very well for them. Would have been better. Right. Um, and then had, I think they could have had three interviews and then also had... Urbane a little bit less and just talk about how he knows from the history of the Federation, because that would have been more because I understand that, yes, it came in at a time and did something really great that really was helpful. But
0: now, now it's grown so big. It's like the banks or whatever. It's just when things get too big and too powerful, it tends to corrupt and people are cutting themselves really big paychecks, probably at the top. And it's not fair
1: right and i don't think that i just never got the feeling that grenier uh the red-haired rebel felt like i never got the feeling that she was trying to be the top of the litter or trying to you know i got the feeling she was just trying to make a career in sugar and then retire and She cannot do that within the Federation guidelines, so she has to go outside. But when she's outside, she's getting fined, so it's setting her even further back. It's a slippery slope for smaller producers.
0: And if she does follow the rules of giving them her excess, it's something that she personally believes is wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you own your own business, you kind of think you can kind of do things your own way, but obviously the government has some control and you have to pay taxes and stuff but like she feels like that whole system is so messed up but i think it's because of stuff that we're not hearing about the the federation being maybe shady or shadier or more corrupt you know right then we think i just could be calling them that because they sound like that they sound like the
1: well it seems confusing and it seems uh, i don't know i just am not sure if it's working
0: I don't think it's working right now, obviously, because they're so divided.
1: Right. So there needs to be some sort of some sort of checks and balances from the court. That can... Yes,
0: there needs to instead of the court. You're so right. Instead of the court being hand in hand with the Federation, they need to have some sort of neutral oversight committee. But then people always want less government. But you kind of have to have watchdogs. You know, independent watchdogs monitoring what the federation is doing but instead they're in the pocket of the
1: right they're, and I, The
0: juries are the judges in their pocket
1: and i understand that they're trying to regulate it so that smaller ones with a bad harvest season aren't going out of business so like there's some sort of protection but it seems it seems like the umbrella is too big i think we need a smaller umbrella and maybe it's something that like Okay, everyone signs this thing and you give a percentage of your overage. So if you have an overage of, let's say, 50 quarts, you would give 20 percent of your overage to the Federation to keep their stockpile, to help people who are struggling in their time. It's like a union almost. It's a dues situation. Uh And then and then you're free to do with your overage. If you have a really good season, what you like and you had a great year that year. But you do have to give 20 percent. To the Federation to cover other people who did not have that grade of a year, which I think everyone would agree to. I just don't know why we can't, why it has to be all or or nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why can't this be a half and half? Mm-hmm.
0: It's either all regulation or no regulation.
1: Right. That doesn't, why can't it just be like a helpful some regulation, some regulation. You're paying in for a protection for your industry, but You are mainly free to do what you like with your syrup when you have a good year. But I don't know.
0: That makes sense to me. I think you've saw. What do you feel about um, peace in the Middle East? Do you want to take that on? Because I think you could do it.
1: I think that I'm going to get about 100 people writing me why that won't work. Because I don't know (laughs) enough.
0: It sounds good.
1: But see, I don't know enough about economics because I'm sure I haven't thought of something that's going to be like, well, when laissez-faire... Policies were happening in France in 1802. Katie, let me school you.
0: But you're lucky because I'm the one who will get those responses, and I can pass them along to you or not, and I probably won't. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just gonna delete them.
1: Let's just pretend like maybe I had a good theory, and it's probably not. But anyways,
0: I think it's very smart.
1: But this was a fascinating heist because it was sickly sweet. And it was so good. That was fun. So good. I can't wait to watch the rest of the series. Thank you so much, Jenna, for the recommendation for Dirty Money, because it's super fun.
0: It's so fun. I loved it. And Canada.
1: And Canada. Definitely going for our maple extraction excursion.
0: Yes. It's
1: going to be good times. I'm so excited. Yay. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Thank you, everybody.
1: Thanks, Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. All right. We'll see you next time. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and... Stay safe, wear a mask, take care of each other, take care of yourselves.
0: And we do a bonus episode every month for our Patreons. Yes, we do. the $5 level. Thank you. Sharpie sweetness. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was trying not to waffle on the issue.
1: (laughs) (sighs) That was good. I can't think of any. I don't know why I can't.
0: I know you're usually really good.
1: This was a dense episode for me. My brain power is like we're like clicking. It's like dense,
0: like a pancake.
1: It is. It's like that. It's a thick batter in here. We were like powering down. It's not I'm working at like a 15 percent operational. And especially after I just came up with a theory for helping the Federation. I can't. I, that's it. Brain power gone.
0: <laughs> so bye, everybody. Shh, bye. bye. Feel <laughs> free to send us maple candies if you live in Canada. No, oh. I'm just kidding. I'm not soliciting things.
1: Please send us the candy.
0: We have a P.O. box.
1: Send us the candy. (laughs) P.O. box available upon request.
0: Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Bye. Bye, guys.